The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much, church, for joining us wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. We're just glad that you're here. Uh, as we are walking through the Gospel of Luke, you may have seen last week that Jesus, kind of halfway through his ministry, does something very unique. He looks at his disciples and he goes, hey, I want you to have a practice run. I, I need you to go out and I need you to do what I've been doing. I need you to teach what I've taught. I need you to represent me because I'm not going to be with you forever. So I, I need you to go get your feet wet. And they went out two by two. And as we see today in Luke chapter nine, we're going to be in verses 10 through 17. We see a quick report that their ministry was successful, but then we also see a tangible result of their ministry and that thousands of people are going to follow Jesus to his next location, even though they're trying to retreat. So, so that's kind of what's going on. Disciples have just come back in. We'll pick it up in verse 10 of Luke chapter 9. It's everyone's favorite day at church, the mission trip report. Here's what happened. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they'd done. And now Luke doesn't give us any further clarification, but we learned last week they came back and they said, hey, we were able to heal the sick. We were able to cast out demons. We were able to preach about the kingdom of God. We were able to do exactly what you sent us out to do, and it was incredible. But then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Now, that's only unique in that Bethsaida is located at the very northern edge, a little bit northeast, northern edge of the Sea of Galilee, and there are no other towns around it. Now, it, and it's a small town in and of itself. So Jesus looks at his disciples and goes, well done, well done, guys. Now you get a well-deserved break. Let's head away from the crowds Let's head to a more remote area. Let's refresh. Let's retreat. Let's recap about what has happened over the last few days, weeks, months. We have no idea how long they were gone. But let's just go hang out and spend some time together. That was their desire. However, verse 11, but the crowds, they learned about it and they followed him. They followed Jesus. He welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. I, I love this. The ministry model didn't change. We're going to meet people's physical needs, and in doing so, we're going to talk to them about their spiritual needs. We're going to call them to repent and turn back to God. The model hadn't changed at all. Mark, just as you've seen for many weeks now, Mark tells the same story Actually, this, the feeding of the 5,000, which we're going to get into, is the first story that all four gospel writers record. So this, this is a big one. This is a big one. But Mark, in Mark chapter 6, verses 32 and 34, he, here, here's what he says. So they went away by themselves, talking about Jesus. They went by boat to a solitary place, once again to Bethsaida. But many who saw them leaving recognized where they were going, recognized Jesus and his disciples, and they ran on foot from all the towns, and they actually got there ahead of them. And if you're like, how is that possible? Well, remember, they only traveled a few miles, and the, the lake's not that far across in width. 
They probably stayed near the shore, so people just tracked them. They're in a boat heading north towards Bethsaida. People on the shores are running, and each town they pass, they're gathering more people. So literally, the people on the shore were able to run faster than the boat was able to make it there. When Jesus landed, verse 34, and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion. That, that word in the Greek talks about it coming from the gut. He had a different purpose. He had a different plan. And you know his disciples were ready for a break. But he saw the crowd. He had compassion on them at a gut level because they were just like sheep without a shepherd. They needed to be led. They needed to be pastored. And so immediately he began teaching them many things. The crowd disrupts the ministry plan. Hey, we're going to go retreat and refresh. But the crowd disrupts that. And as they arrive on the shore, there's already hundreds, if not thousands of people gathered there. And Jesus saw an opportunity, was moved at his gut level, okay, for his people, the children of God, to teach them to make sure that their needs were met before the needs of his disciples. He saw the crowd and the masses, and he had compassion on them. He was trying to teach them. He was trying to get them to understand that this kingdom of God, it's not about chasing down boats. It's not about being around the coolest person in Galilee. The kingdom of God is about denying yourself and following God. He's trying to get this message across because right now, right now the problem is everyone is just seeing all the good that Jesus is doing and they want to be a part of the phenom. They want to be a part of the moment. And Jesus is like, oh, you're not, you're still not getting it. It's not about running around a lake to beat me to my destination. It's about denying yourself, trusting in God who created you and realizing that at the end of this, at the end of my life, which is only a year and a half away, I am going to allow myself to be crucified for your sins. I'm going to allow that. And you're going to look at that and feel like I failed. But I need you to understand this very important point. The kingdom of God is backwards. The greatest are the least, and the least are the greatest, and my death will be vicarious. My death will be victory for you. But until you understand this truth, it's going to be impossible for you to grasp it when it happens. So he had compassion, and he said, oh, children, you are so misled. Let me teach you. Let me impart on you this knowledge, and I will say this. This message is not an easy one or a quick one to teach. So it takes Jesus a very, very long time to get this message across. And we see that now in the next few verses, Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 13. Late in the afternoon, so I mean, we're talking dinner time. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him, the disciples, who thought they were getting a vacation, who were so excited still about what they just accomplished, they thought they were getting a vacation. They came to him and they said, send the crowd away 
so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because Bethsaida did not have enough food and lodging for the enormous crowd that was listening to Jesus teach and had been listening to him teach for the entire day. Because they were in a remote place, he replied to them, hey, you're worried? You're worried about about their stomachs? I, I think, no, no, I think more you're just hungry and you're frustrated because what you planned to do with your day didn't happen because there were the needs of others that had to be met first. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn a lesson. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to feed them. You feed them all. You do it. I, I want you to prepare dinner. You give them something to eat. I love that Mark 637 records this. They said to Jesus, that would take eight months of a man's wage. Eight months worth of money, of hard work. Are we, are we really going to go spend that much on bread to give it to them to eat? I, I think that's a logistic and logical question. Hey, to feed this many people, to feed them, it would cost so much money, and it almost appears that they may have that money like in their treasury, but they're going, this would wipe us out. Are, are you sure, are you sure, Jesus, that you want to plan a church dinner tonight and use our entire annual budget to feed a group of people one meal? Are you sure that's what you want to do? The disciples were worried, and I, I have to understand why. Hey, if you want us to feed them, we can maybe go find that much bread, but doesn't seem like a good fiscal responsible thing to do. So, so what, what do you want us to do? Well, Jesus doesn't really give them any other option. He said, this is what I've called you to do. This is what I told you to do. So go do it. Go do it. Make it happen. In this I think we learn two things about how God resources his people when he calls them to something, okay? Two things. I think, we, I think we can learn both of these. Number one, Jesus will teach his disciples that God always provides for the ministry he desires. If God has called you to do something, and oftentimes the things he calls you to are not the things you want to do at that moment. Feed 5,000 people, Go. Uh, no, no, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like that's what I was put on this earth to do. No, that, that's what I called you to do, so do it. And we will see in this text that God resources those that he calls. He equips them. He gives them what they need. And, and I know that there's some of you, maybe even listening right now, that are going, I, I felt like I was supposed to go do this, and, and I even sent out letters of support, and, and, and the money just didn't come in. So, I mean, what, what, what gives? Well, I honestly, I, I can say this not to be harsh. Maybe you misheard. Maybe that's what you wanted to do. Because look, the disciples, they just wanted to go rest and have a dinner by themselves. And Jesus said, no, I want you to feed them all. That was not their desire. That, that was not what they wanted, but that's what Jesus called them to do. And we will see that that's how he resources. The other thing that I want us to see from this text 
is that oftentimes it's the lack of resources that stops us from doing what God's called us to do. Hey, Jesus said, feed them, and they go, too much money, can't do it, can't do it. And I just, I wonder, church, has there ever been a moment in your life where you knew God was calling you to do something, and instead of doing it, you said, I, that would just be ridiculous. Can't go on that mission trip. It's like $2,800. I mean, I, I, that's, that's way too much for my whole family to go. That, I mean, that, who would spend $10,000 to do something like that? Well, if God's called you, he'll, he'll resource you, and the rest of the text today, I think, shows us this, that when God calls you, he will resource the ministry that he's called you to do. Luke chapter 9, verses 13 through 17. Here's what, here's what the disciples answered. Hey, we went around, we surveyed everybody, and, and here's what we've got. Uh, we've got five loaves of bread, and we've got two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd. So that, that's what we have amongst us. Okay, that's what we have amongst us. And there were about 5,000 men there, meaning uh, there you count women and children, best estimate 15,000 people. No one knows for sure. Not even positive, they're just 5,000 men. But there, there were a bunch of people there. And here's what we've got. We've got five loaves of bread. We've got two fish. But he said to his disciples, all right, go ahead and have them sit down. Have them get into groups of about 50 each so that we can count and we can easy, more easily distribute the food. The disciples did this. At least they're learning. All right, Jesus, if you say this is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to do it. So they get them into groups of about 50. They did that, and everyone sat down. And then taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks, and he broke them. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And look at this. They all ate. They were all satisfied. And in fact, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now, it's actually John who records that it was a little boy that gave up his lunch for this to occur. And so I don't want you to misinterpret this. These were not five three-foot-long baguettes from Panera, and two four-pound trout that Jesus was able to feed 15,000 people with. This would have been some barley crackers and a couple pickled fish. Think of a sardine. This, this kid gave up his first-century Lunchable. is all they had because he was too excited to eat it. Everyone else who had food had already consumed it. They had a Lunchable. And Jesus was able to take that, that resource, and was able to feed this entire crowd. It's incredible to think about that. The symbolism here is so powerful. But the one thing I, I really wish, I really wish that Luke or Mark or John, or Matthew, I really wish one of them would have told us what Jesus prayed. I really wish that was recorded, and it's not recorded in any of them. And, and there's probably a reason for that. Because in the first century, a Jewish father before dinner would stand in front of his family, and he would recite this prayer. 
he would say, blessed art thou, O Lord our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And, and if you've been around Summit for a while, you know that I was raised Catholic, and, and we, we had a similar prayer that we said before every meal. I, I, I didn't even know I was praying to God, but it just said, Blessed, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. I, I remember that prayer. I'll always remember that prayer. And in a Jewish family in the first century, they, they just would have said this. They would have said it without even thinking. And how Cool would it be if that's exactly what Jesus did. He lifted up the Lunchable, said the standard prayer that everyone there would have understood, and then all of a sudden he just starts handing out food, just starts divvying it up. Here, there's your bread, there's your fish, there's your bread, there's your fish. And then the disciples are like, okay, uh, I don't know where this is all coming from, but it came from the Lord of the universe that brings bread from the ground. And the disciples learned a lesson this day that is vital for all of us to know. When God calls you to do something, he will resource it. He will provide. You do not have to fear. Hey, that's gonna cost eight months worth of our wage. It's all right, I got that. Hey, all we've got is this Lunchable. It's all right, I can do things that you don't understand. You've just got to do what I call you to do. You can't allow the lack of resources to let you say no. You have to see that I can do the impossible. So much so that there'd be 12 basketful of food left over. Now, that has obvious symbolism. Many people have thought about it. Most likely, it represents the 12 tribes of Israel, the children of God, and how God provides for each of them. But there's so much symbolism here. The, the Israelites walking through the desert and God providing manna or bread every single day for them just miraculously showed up. Never too much, but never not enough. That's what God does. It makes us think of the Last Supper as the 12 gathered there. The symbolism is amazing, but the main thing I want you to hear today, church, is that Jesus, while he taught all day to the crowd, his greatest lesson was not with words on this day. His greatest lesson was with action, and he showed that God will provide. He showed that God is in control of the mission and the ministry of his church. He's in control of it. He's got it. He's resourcing it. And he knows the purpose for which he wants us to move forward. It's our job only to hear that purpose and then to execute, to go. He wants his church to have compassion for the lost and those who are hurting and dying in this world, those who would run around the lake to ruin your vacation. He wants us to have compassion for those people. And we've got to be able to see and be willing to engage, to meet the physical need, the hunger, and the spiritual need. We can't just be thinking about our own stomachs. I think a lot of times our ministry opportunities are missed because we're thinking about our own needs. We're thinking about how that would make us feel uncomfortable. We're thinking about how it's dinner time. 
This is, isn't convenient. Got to get kids somewhere. Got to get this thing done. We're thinking about our own stomachs. I think we need to realize from this beautiful story of Jesus miraculously feeding 5,000 people, the miracle is that the needs of the people were met in a way that was not convenient for those who were meeting them. And I think that's the lesson we need to learn. I think we need to see that God will abundantly resource the ministry of his church by multiplying the sacrificial gifts of his children. Yet one small child gave his lunch. That, I mean, that doesn't seem like a huge gift. And then thousands were fed. And I want you to know that when you give, God multiplies that gift's effectiveness. When you sacrifice, God multiplies the effectiveness of that sacrifice. I know for many, you're like, I don't want to give the church because I don't know where it's going to go. I don't, I don't want to be paying for you know, all this stuff. I, no, no, no. When you give to God, when you give, God multiplies that gift. You don't, don't think about it in the terms of dollars and cents. Think about it in the terms of lives impacted. People radically changed. That group on that day left with their bellies full going, I didn't think he had all that food back there. What just happened? God took a little and he did with it a lot. The ministry of the church is to make disciples, to provide a path to God for those who do not know him. That ministry of making disciples and helping people that do not know God to know him, that ministry, it's not always gonna happen on your timetable. It's not always gonna happen during your free time. It's not always going to be handled by someone else. Sometimes God's going to call you. If, if at any point in the life of the disciples, they had the option to look at Jesus and go, not now. We, we just got back from doing. Like we, we literally just got back from our mission trip. This is not a good time. But God says it's not always going to be handled by someone else. Sometimes I'm going to ask you to do this. We are capable of producing great fruit when we are willing. Willing to hear God's call and to respond, to set aside our own needs for the needs of others in order to impact their life. I had a professor in Bible college. His name was Terry Bolin. He, I remember, I mean, I don't remember many of the lectures that I received, but I remember this one because he walked in and he said, I'm going to tell you today why I hate ministry. And he proceeded to share story after story of his 30 plus years in ministry, story after story, just gut-wrenching stories that were terrible, terrible, terrible. And he's like, this is why I hate ministry. This is why I hate ministry. And we're just sitting here going like, you're not winning anyone right now. And he finishes that hour long lecture and he says, but it's the greatest calling in the world. And I'll do it for the rest of my life. And I remember leaving there going, I don't feel motivated at all. But here's the deal. The disciples on that day, they left hungry. They left frustrated. Their plan was not their own. They did not get the vacation they wanted. But I believe they knew that what they were doing was the greatest calling in the world. 
I believe they knew that. And so I just ask you, I ask you, as, as you look at your life and, and maybe what's going on around it right now, is there a situation right now that you're just trying to punt? Like, you just want it gone because it's inconvenient. You're trying to punt it because either you don't have the resources to truly help the person or the situation, or because you feel like it'll just take too much effort to be involved right now, and you're just like, I wish that could go away. Is, is there something right now that you know God is calling you to do, but because the resources aren't there or it would take too much effort, you're just saying, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not down. And if there is, I, I would just beg that you see this message today, this story, and how God will, God will miraculously provide if you're willing. If you're willing to step up and say, all I've got is this little Lunchable. Don't worry, I've got the rest, but you've got to be willing to try. Is there someone in your life right now that appears to be showing up at an inconvenient time, but you know that your actions could have a huge impact how can you be praying for them? How can you be responding? Do you believe and do you understand that Jesus is not asking you to do anything that he hasn't already done for us? Do you know how inconvenient it was for Jesus to leave heaven, to come down to this earth to be persecuted, to be stomped on to lay down his life. Do you, do you know how inconvenient that was? But that was the will of the Father. That was the ministry plan. And even though it wasn't convenient, and even though the resource that he had to give was his life, he did that for you and for me. And I wonder, I wonder, do we not need to hear today that all ministry is not always fun, not always easy. It is what allows the good news of Jesus to move forward. It's what allows the hurting and the hopeless and the broken to be brought to life, renewal and restoration. It takes you being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I pray today because you see that God will intercede. He will step in and take your efforts and make them great. I hope by this encouragement today, it will push you into those moments and those situations in your life that you know God has placed before you so that you can make an eternal impact on the life of someone in your life. And you can make a huge impact on the kingdom of God. I pray that you will move forward this week, whatever that looks like, and we would love, love to hear your stories. So let us know how God's challenging you in the ministry he's placed in your life. We would love to celebrate that with you. Father, help us, help us see how you're moving, what it is you're calling us to do. And God, if you're moving in our own hearts, I pray that today we would surrender those to you. We would surrender our life and our mind, our soul, our heart to you. God, I pray that you would show us that you are in control, that anything you call us to, you will equip us and resources to, to see through. And God, you will do so for your glory. We are so thankful for Jesus, for this model, for your provision, God. May we celebrate you as we continue to hear your voice and move and respond in faithful obedience. It's in your name we pray.